Hello, everyone, and welcome to K-pop Wynan. My name is Elle, and I talk about K-pop, obviously, but specifically about accessibility and disability topics within K-pop fandoms. For anyone who has been following me from the beginning, please note that I am officially switching from a weekly format to a bi-weekly format, since I was struggling to keep up with that. This is my third episode on the bi-weekly schedule, and that will continue for the foreseeable future. So first of all, I did originally have a different plan for what this episode was going to be about. I was going to talk about disability tropes as they are used in K-pop fanfiction, but it ended up being a much bigger undertaking than I originally thought. I have been deep in the AO3 tags for over a week now, and I fear my search history will never recover, but more on that at a later date since it turned into a much larger monster than I could have possibly imagined. Though, in hindsight, I'm not sure why I thought that wouldn't be a massive project. You'd think I'd never read fanfiction before. Anyways, so yeah, that will be a topic for a future episode. Though it does segue into the topic I'm actually going to talk about. Sort of. Not really. Basically, I just started writing an ATs fic and it reignited my ATs hyperfixation. So today we're going to talk about how I became an ATini and what I consider the fundamental tenets of ATinidom, and by that I mean the videos that I think are most important for someone to watch if they want to know who ATs is and what makes them so special. Please be aware that this is 100% just my own personal list of my favorite ATs videos that I watch over and over again, and while I'm sure a lot of people would agree with me on several of them, there's tons of others that people would put into this category if you ask them. Also, this is by no means all of them, it's just a few of them that I like. To start off with, my discovery of ATs, my ATini origin story, if you will, is a little silly. It's not quite as silly as some of them, but it's kind of random. So I couldn't tell you what day or even the month when I first listened to their music, but I have this sort of before and after way of thinking about things that I end up hyperfixating on, where I can pinpoint the first couple of times I am made aware of that thing. Once I have made it my entire personality, I like to think back to those first couple of things and follow the rabbit trail from there, just to see how it all went down. I have no idea why I do this, I just think it's fun. Mainly because it's usually the most random thing. For 80s, that was someone on Twitter referring to San as the guy from 80s whose hair looks like a pie chart because of the dye job that he had during answer era. I read that tweet, and I was very confused by that oddly hyper-specific description, so I typed ATs into Google and discovered that it was indeed quite accurate. From there, I basically did what I always do and downloaded their entire discography, which at the time was just the entire Treasure series. I was working food delivery at the time, so I listened to every song they had in a single day and then moved right on to watching their other content when I got home that night which brings me to what I consider to be the core tenets of ATinidom. If ATs is heaven, these videos are right there at the pearly gates. The welcome package, if you will. In case you were wondering, that heaven metaphor was very intentional because the first video on my list is actually two videos. It's the kingdom performance of Answer featuring La Poem singing Beethoven's Ode to Joy, which is heavenly in every sense of the word. 
Watching that performance for the first time felt like a religious experience. I'm not even joking with you. The other one is the Wonderland performance from Kingdom, which includes uh, Dvorak's Symphony No. 9 from The New World. One of my favorite things about this performance is the reactions. No joke. The look on the faces of all the other groups that were competing against them are absolutely priceless, and I love watching them. It's like they don't even know what to do with themselves or how to react to what they're seeing and hearing. I can't even explain exactly why, but to me, these two performances are kind of the epitome of everything ATs is about. The inclusion of classical symphony music into K pop is something that feels like such a uniquely ATs thing to do because it's so unexpected. Like, how do you take a song like Answer and mash it up with Ode to Joy? How do you even come up with that? It shouldn't work, but it did. And same thing with Wonderland and From the New World. Every performance I watch from 80s, I would describe as cinematic, both in the literal sense, because they often draw from movies for their concepts, as well as in the sense of how every time they perform, they are telling a story from start to finish. Every moment, every dance move, every prop and costume piece has a purpose and intent. And if you know about their lore and the universe in their music videos, the significance of everything is even more profound. But even without that understanding, the performance is still so impactful and so incredible. The next video I want to include in my list is Immortal Songs, particularly the episode that aired on June 17th. The theme of that episode was honoring those who served the country in uniform, and they sang a song called Highway in the Gale. For much the same reasons as the Kingdom performance, I consider this a quintessential 80s performance. What I love most about this one is their commitment to the bit with their concept. It's like they're pirates, but for this they went the legitimate business venture route and they're privateers instead of pirates. That's the vibe I'm getting from the styling of this performance. Also, Yo Song starting it off, incredible. I would love to see him start off more performances because I think his beautiful, rich, deep voice makes for a very unique opening that works so, so, so well for this performance. And I would love to see more of that. This is another performance where I love seeing the reactions from both the other performers as well as the audience. There's always this delighted, awed expression from anyone who's seeing them for the first time. It's beautiful to watch, and I never get tired of it. So, moving on from performances, which, let's be real, I could talk for literal hours about iconic 80s performances, but I'll cap it at the ones I mentioned. The next video that I consider to be required viewing for all 18s is the Studio Tomb Drop the Dance from KCON LA 2019. For those of you who don't know, this is basically a random play type game where they split into two groups and go one at a time. A song is played and they have to dance to that song. Some of them are K-pop songs with established choreography, and some are ones that don't have choreography and they have to freestyle it. The reason I think every 18 you should watch this is because it's such a perfect representation of each of the members' personalities, as well as their relationship with each other. It just makes me super happy to watch for so many reasons, and at the time of recording this podcast, that video is at 12 million views, and I think that half of them are just me. 
The other video I want to include in this list is the OM Kalen interview where they share some popular Korean dishes with Kalen and he introduces them to Peach Cobbler. It's just super funny and they all seem very comfortable with him and look like they were genuinely having a great time. I don't have a ton to say other than that. It's just a fun interview that I like to go back to and watch a lot because it makes me smile. And as a Southerner myself, watching ATs eat peach cobbler for the first time was priceless. So the final video I want to talk about wasn't originally on this list, mainly because it just happened right before I recorded this. I wanted to talk about it because it's a perfect segue into an accessibility-related topic. The performance I'm referring to is the M Countdown Paris performance. Now, I suppose it's a little too early to say if this will go down in ATE history since it quite literally just happened, though it certainly seems to be headed that way just based on the response I've seen on Twitter. This performance is going to be the origin story of a whole area of ATEs for two reasons. One, everyone wants to know who the one in the glasses is, which is of course Hong Joon. And the other one that people want to know about is who is the one sitting down? Which of course is Jong-ho, who has just returned from his hiatus after having surgery on his leg and is still recovering so he's not allowed to dance yet. Now, sitting, standing, or laying down asleep, Jong-ho could outsing anyone you put him up against, I would be willing to stake my life on that. And it seems that all of K-pop Twitter, who wasn't already an A-teeny, agrees with me. Because everyone wanted to know who he was, and was absolutely shook by his talent. Now, you may ask why this particular performance is significant in comparison to all the other times Jong-ho has gone viral for his incredible vocal skill. Fair question. The reason is because of all the people who have told me in no uncertain terms that no one wants to watch a performer who's sitting down. I've seen this in the comments on videos I've posted doing adaptive K-pop choreographies, as well as other videos where I've talked about accessibility and disability in K-pop performances. Not only that, but I've also had people say this to my face when I've talked about accessibility in performance of any kind, not just K-pop. So many people seem so convinced that in order for a performance to be compelling and interesting, the person performing simply must be standing up. Which, I'll set aside the absolute absurdity of that statement on principle, and the fact that I find it hard to believe that anyone truly does believe that, and I'll continue on to my main point about this particular AD's performance, and how the reaction to it, specifically Jong-ho, proves that those claims are clearly incorrect. All those people in my comments seem to think that the minute someone sits down, the performance automatically becomes a snooze fest, which is frankly laughable, but I'll indulge them for a moment. I did not see a single person that seemed dissatisfied with Jongo's performance at all. What I saw was tons of people begging for an AD to tell them who that incredible vocalist was. The desperation was intense, like they would die if they didn't know who was singing those soaring high notes. Not a single word, or even a hint, that anyone had a problem with the fact that he was sitting down. They just thought he was amazing, and wanted to know his name, and hear more of his jaw-dropping vocals. Imagine that. So I guess it 
doesn't actually matter if someone is sitting down or not. And before the trolls start whining and telling me, oh, it's just temporary, so it's not the same as a permanently disabled performer. To that, I say, why the hell not? Why isn't it the same? Why can't it be the same? If it works once, why shouldn't it work in perpetuity? What if, God forbid, Jonga wasn't able to dance again? Would he stop being an incredible performer? What is the time limit for you on how long you deem it acceptable for someone to perform sitting down before you stop wanting to watch it? Do you say, oops, sorry, you didn't heal fast enough for me, so now I don't want to watch you perform anymore? Jonga has been dealing with this injury for a couple years now, and this is not the first time he's had to sit down or even step out of the performance altogether. He's not even the only ATs member that's had to do that, for that matter. So how long is too long for you? Can you give me the number of seated performances that you would be willing to watch before you decide that a performer is no longer able to entertain you simply because they can't dance the way they used to? I said this back when Jong-ho first injured his leg, that we should just give him a throne and he can just be up above everyone singing his heart out. Like, imagine the staging of the Kingdom performance of Answer, the Stairway to Heaven situation or whatever that was. Just put a giant throne at the top of that and let jong go to town up there like the vocal king that he is. But hey, no one listens to my ideas. Also, speaking of the answer performance, I don't know if anyone but me noticed this, but considering the fact that jong has been dealing with this injury for a while now, I can't help but wonder how much of the staging and the formations of their choreography is intentionally structured to accommodate that. I can't help but wonder if the staging of that moment with the stairway and the throwing the crown and standing there and posing for a while before hitting his eye note and then coming down for the final pose, that whole bit effectively removed him from the dance break, the most intense and physically demanding part of the choreography. Now, obviously, Jong-ho is the main vocalist and has always been the main vocalist, and it's not uncommon for them to step away from the formation to sing while the others dance. So this is all my own personal observation, but I don't think it's that far-fetched of a theory. So I guess my point here is that I think too many people see accessibility as this very black and white thing, and don't seem to realize that it's probably happening way more often than you think. Instead of treating it like this one-time thing with a time limit on it, we should be thinking of it as something that is constant. I've said this before in my very first episode, that accessibility should be an integral part of the creative process. Because the world of performance, especially where dance is concerned, is a place where injuries are very common. Even when every possible precaution is taken, they still happen. So we shouldn't shy away from thinking about how to accommodate that in every part of the creative process. There's no time limit on accommodating disability. It should be the norm. And on that note, every single petty bone in my body will sleep with a smile on my face, knowing that an entire era of A-teenies was brought into the fandom by Jong-ho, singing from his chair on the side of the stage. Cry about it. All right, well, that is all I have for you today. If you have any thoughts about today's topic, I would love to hear them. 
You can send me an email at kpopwineant at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter and TikTok at kpopwineant. That's also where I'll present possible topics for future episodes. So if you have something you want me to talk about, let me know. Thanks for listening and see you next time.